0: Stay inspired on the go with Springboard Zone, an inspirational podcast from internationally acclaimed executive coaches, authors and ministers, Albert and Comfort Okran. You will be inspired and challenged with strategies to consistently reach for new heights. And now, today's message by Reverend Albert Okran.
1: Tonight we thank you for matriculating with us on your virtual university and we trust that it will be a wonderful hour spent Having a quality discussion that will benefit yourself, your family, and your loved ones. Springboard is brought to you by Legacy and Legacy and your superstation, Joy 99.7 FM. We are proudly sponsored by EcoBank, the Pan African Bank, and MTN, the nation's number one network. We enjoy technical support from Dream Oval. And media partnership from the Business and Financial Times and the Graphic Business. Tonight on the show, we trust that something that we will share will be beneficial to you. Our print media support comes from the Graphic Business and the Business and Financial Times. And in tomorrow's edition of the BNFT, you will find an article on Imagination versus Inertia. Tuesday's Graphic Business will carry a full transcription of tonight's all-important discussion. Why is tonight so important? Something we'll say tonight will be extremely beneficial to you. So we've been doing a series on the digital economy and the impact of technology on the various things that we do and how life has changed significantly as a result of emerging technologies and best practices in various areas of endeavor. Tonight we settled, settled on a subject that is very interesting, sometimes morbid, Sometimes scary, all-encompassing, but something you can't ignore. So, before I break down the subject, do you have any one loved one who's diabetic? Have you ever sat in front of that person who says, you can't eat all the things that you listed when you were a child and said, one day when I have money, I will spend it on these things that I love. Have you ever been restricted in a way that's upset you? Tonight, we'll talk about diabetes and talk about how new technologies and best practices have made it easier to manage diabetes. Why is that important? Because statistics show that It is the third leading cause of OPD attendance and the tenth leading cause of death at Internal Medicine Department at Colibu. That's quite an important stat. And if you go out there to other facilities, the second leading cause of OPD attendance at the polyclinic and the second leading cause of death is something that you want to be interested in. Is it manageable? Is it difficult to manage? Does it permanently change you is, is, is it curable why is it so important to look at the economic implications of diabetes and then swing across to talk about how to manage it and how we can fully express our potential in spite of having diabetes in the family or even in our own lives interestingly the man they call Larry King the man that I love for for different reasons, was diagnosed with type 2 diabetes in 1995, eight years after surviving bypass surgery from a heart attack. Since his diagnosis, he's lost considerable weight, quit smoking, and developed an all-round healthier lifestyle. He gave three prescriptions. Good food, exercise, and stick with your medication. Is it true? Let me welcome into the studio Roberta Lamti, who's a a family physician and a diabetologist, one of the few that we have in this country. Roberta, good to see you, and welcome to Springboard. Thank you, Albert. You've spoken about this for, for years. Thanks for making it happen, finally. <laughs>
2: All
1: right, let me also welcome Ivy. Ivy, I don't like you, and you know I don't like you. I don't like dietitians. <laughs> Why? They, 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 they kind of paint a grave picture any time you see them. Oh. But I like you, but I don't like you. I'm sure that's fine.
3: I will explain, then you begin to like all that shit. All right, yeah, so Ivy from points
1: so is a dietitian, and, and, and you know what we need? We need them because they can make it easier and simpler for us. you mm-hmm. find out why if you see Ivy Ellie, you don't need to see Roberta. Very true, extremely. <laughs> all right, all right. And tonight's show is entirely dedicated to two very important people in the lives of the registrar and myself, Comfort Lost her Dad. Her dear dad, the man they call C.C., my father-in-law, in the year 1987. I had just met her and I started eyeing her. And then she lost her dad to diabetes-related complications. We went first year then in the University of Ghana. I remember the funeral very well. And I also remember that he was such a wonderful man. And, and he went to be with the Lord, a man who loved to preach. Um, Eleven years later, I lost my only sister Elsie also to diabetes-related complications. Very, very difficult. I sat in the studio two days after that and hosted a show and cried after the show. But I smiled at the show throughout. People sent me a text. Is it true? (laughs) (laughs) I remember that day very well. So Elsie also went to be with the Lord from diabetes-related complications. So I hope that tonight's show dedicated to these two people will help somebody find life, find joy, find strength, and live a full life. Let me start with you, Roberta. Is it possible to live uh, a a full life in spite of having been diagnosed with diabetes? A very
4: full life Mm -hmm. if you um, do the right things. And now, as as we've been discussing, it's not necessarily a permanent condition. If it's type 2 diabetes, what we are learning is that it is potentially reversible Mm. and you could potentially go into remission the same term we use for cancer knowing that it could possibly come back but you could go into remission and, and um, that is rewarding and for those who are not able to go into remission you can live a life with few complications or no complications. The difference between somebody that has diabetes and the one that does not is the hyperglycemia and we are finding better ways to prevent that hyperglycemia from happening right. and therefore reducing complications.
1: Let me let me let me roll back for the benefit of our listeners and start from what exactly is diabetes and why is it an economic discussion?
4: Diabetes is let me say a complex disease let's focus on type 2 diabetes because that is where the interest is is and where 90% of people that have diabetes are going to be that we have in the past looked at diabetes mainly as either type 1, type 2 or gestational diabetes pregnancy related but in the past couple of months we've had a paper that has shown that type 2 diabetes there's there's actually five different kinds Mm -hmm. you know they have clear genetic lines with it but to put it short and to explain it in a way that we can all understand is um, when you eat anything that is carbohydrate the end product is sugar For everybody, whether you have diabetes or you don't have diabetes, this sugar goes into your, let me call it, stomach intestine, and it has to move into the body cells because we need the sugar in the body cells to give us energy. However, before the sugar can move from the stomach or the GIT into the body cells, it has to cross the blood, kind of like you're going from here to the north you go through kumasi so what happens is when the sugar gets into the blood you need insulin for the sugar to be able to leave the blood into the body cells and that's where the problem is in diabetes either the body is not making enough of this insulin or the amount is not it doesn't work well the quantity or the quality of it and because it is only insulin that can sort of open the door to let the sugar leave the blood into the body cells where it is needed, the sugar stays in the blood. And and then when you check the blood level, you have high sugars in the blood. So simply put, that, it, that sums up what diabetes is.
1: So the interventions that you make principally are to generate insulin to enable that breakdown take place.
4: Yeah, that is where kind of we've changed a little bit. Yes, that is one. But also start from where the sugar is coming from externally. What you put in your mouth. It's a major part of
1: it. And that's where people like Ivy come in.
4: Exactly.
1: All right. So, Ivy, I like you now. Tell me, what in your interaction with people, where does the problem begin principally? I know you'll say we don't eat well, but what is the major problem with the way we eat?
3: Okay. Thank you. Food, you know, food, our food is made up of. We have the carbohydrates, we have protein, we have fat, and then all these, we call them macronutrients. And these macronutrients, when we eat them, it goes through the digestive system, and then um, it breaks it down. And the end result, especially from the starchy foods, it's glucose. And some people, I don't know, people want to change the way they, they live their lifestyle, people want to be seen among the affluent groups, so now everybody's shopping. In the malls in the supermarket and other stuff like that. So, people are buying things they want to eat the western way like People are buying things that they are not supposed to be eating.
1: What are they not supposed to be eating? Like,
3: people are now into fast foods, people are now into the fried rice. People are even eating, overeating over in terms of quantity, they are eating too much.
1: So, the problem number one is quantity,
3: yes. Okay, and because of that, they are putting on weight, it's leading to obesity. Obesity, and once, obesity is also a risk factor for diabetes. So eating, when you overeat and you are not eating the right type of food, then you can be obese, and then maybe you may have, genet- you know, you may be genetically maybe predisposed to diabetes, but because of the lifestyle, the way you are eating, you, the disease can come earlier than expected.
1: Right, I'm going to come back to you very shortly, yeah. but um, um, Roberta, so what what, what I've been saying is that generally... Um, the composition of our diet, especially the starchy foods, generates glucose that, if not managed well, can lead to obesity. And you see the quantities are also an issue. Okay. So typically a person who... Are there people who live for a long time with diabetes without knowing? Because somebody told me about a friend who passed on that he apparently had it for a long time and didn't know. What would make somebody have diabetes and not know? I mean,
4: okay, um, very loaded question. Let me backtrack a little bit from where Ivy let, left off. So, yes, 80 percent of people who have diabetes are obese, but that means that there's 20 percent of people that have diabetes and are not obese, okay? So, and 80 percent of the people who are obese do not have diabetes. So what I'm saying is, Mm -hmm. both your lifestyle is important, but that genetic predisposition we cannot ignore either. So um, as I explained initially that you need insulin. This insulin comes from a part of the body called the beta cells, okay? And they, they have a monopoly. They are the only source of endogenous insulin for the body. So if you want to prevent diabetes, reverse it, prevent complications. You have to preserve these beta cells. Do you get it? So these beta cells, the number one thing that kills them is high sugars. So it's kind of like a vicious cycle. So now let me come back to your, other people who have diabetes and don't know it? That for me is a real big issue because that is really what is under the iceberg. The statistic globally is that one out of two people, 50% of people that have diabetes do not know that they have it. But if you come to Africa, sub-Saharan Africa, where we are, about 70% of people that have diabetes do not actually know that they have diabetes. And unfortunately for us, our patients are presenting at the very first time they they have a diagnosis is when they have a complication. Mm. I have a patient... She's 41 years old. Her mother had diabetes. Well, now she's maybe a little older than 41, maybe 43, 44. Her mother had diabetes. She used to bring her mother to the clinic all the time, take care of her mother. The first time, let's call her Ajua, found that she had diabetes, that was when I was called to see her. She had had a stroke and a heart attack at the same time. And this young lady has a little son. She lost her at the time she was pregnant with this little son. So diabetes is largely asymptomatic. You feel good. And it is important particularly for people that have first degree relations that have diabetes to know that they are at increased risk and to understand that their risk does not start when the fasting sugar is 7, which is when we, we diagnose
1: diabetes. Slow down. You've hit two... And you're going to the third nail on the head, okay.
4: So I slow, slow down. down.
1: <laughs> I'm going to pick these issues one after another. Mm-hmm. If I understand you well, Roberta, you're saying that, and listeners, I hope that you are finding those beneficial because for me, it's free education on a subject that is so important to all of us. You're saying that typically a person with um, a person who is obese must be interested. In their
3: status
1: yes as a matter of interest <laughs> and you're saying that it is not guaranteed that once you are obese you are also diabetic because oh, yes. there are a significant percentage 80% of people who, are, who obese are obese and do
4: not have diabetes and are
1: not diabetic yeah so it is not guaranteed that once you are obese you have a diabetic but it will be of help to know your status you have increased risk for yes. but the second thing that you said that is even of more interest to me is that if you have First degree, and when you say first degree, my my mind went to the university, but (laughs) if you have first degree relations, I I suppose that means siblings, parents. Exactly. That puts me in that bracket. You should know your status. Yeah. And how do you know the status? I I presume that it means checking periodically. So when diabetes actually first starts,
4: it starts when we finish eating. Those are the sugar numbers you want to look at. Although traditionally people know I'm going to do a test for diabetes, I shouldn't eat. Wrong. If you have family history of diabetes, you see, the problem with diabetes, insulin is made in two phases. We have what is called the first phase and the second phase. When diabetes first starts, classically, the defect is that first phase insulin is gone. What is first phase insulin? First phase insulin is that insulin that is produced immediately after a meal to prevent um, hyperglycemia from happening. So the beta cell in type two diabetes loses the ability to change how much insulin it is making in response to your meal. And if you don't have that insulin when you finish eating, then you're going to have high sugars, which are going, to, which is going to kill your beta cell even further. Okay.
1: So, so the, the general idea of fasting blood sugar you're seeing is a wrong concept for people who are predisposed by uh, the, um, yeah, genetically.
4: And and you're going to miss 30% of people who have diabetes anyway if you do a fasting. So what I'm saying is um, yes, you can go ahead and use your fasting. It's a simple test. You don't, you know what I mean. But if you are genetically predisposed, please, you do want to know what your post-meal sugar is. You want to know what happens if I give you sugar, what is going to happen to you at one hour, two hours? If I do your long-term sugar control, your A1C, what is going to happen to you? Because if you are genetically predisposed, first phase insulin is actually lost by fasting sugars of six which is actually pre-diabetes y- y- you know normal sugar by the time you are hitting normal normal levels of fasting sugar 5.6 and above first phase su- insulin is already it started dancing by 6.1 is gone okay so you don't want to wait till that fasting is seven before you start to do
1: something about it i'll come to you I and tell you the, the day the doctor scared me and what I did in response. But let me let me stay with you Roberta for a minute because I asked you a question about why is this discussion an economic issue? Is it the case that when people have diabetes it affects their their, their potential to be economically productive if if the difficulties set in, why should we be interested as a nation? Cost of treatment—what what what about it? Should be interesting to us as a nation seeking to grow a productive workforce. I think
4: um, one, because it is potentially preventable, and the cost implications are grave, and it affects people in their working age, and the risk for complication is high. For people that are undiagnosed. And we are saying in sub-Saharan Africa, 70% of people are undiagnosed. If you do not have a diagnosis, then you don't even have opportunity to prevent complications because you don't know you have it. And the complications are life-changing, to put it mildly. If you have a stroke and you are the breadwinner of your family, that's a big deal. If you have chronic kidney disease, you have to go on dialysis three times a week. It's a big deal. Diabetes is a leading cause of permanent blindness. It's not reversible. So economically there are issues in that regard. But not only that with the complications, the supplies, the cost of the medication. I mean, yes, I'm a diabetologist, so I, I you know, I'll write things that maybe other people will not. But we have medications that will cost you five hundred CDs a week. It's 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 a it's lot of money mad- it's right. serious business. You understand? Forget medications, your testing supplies, the glucose strips, the glucose meter, and then the other things that diabetes tend to come along with hypertension, dyslipidemia, managing those as well. So it's a really big issue and particularly because People in the working age are affected, you know, significantly.
1: Right. It is 24 minutes past the hour of seven. If you just joined us, this is not the the medical segments or medical programs on Joy 19.7. We are having a series of discussions on the digital economy, how technology has changed the way we live and how the things that concern us somehow by the use of best practice, and also by the use of technology we can have a better life and we can avoid some of the complications that come with them. Uh, very shortly, I'm going to ask my guest to show us how technology is making this whole um, diagnosis, management, testing easier than it used to be. I remember the way it used to be done some time ago. Very, very manual. Let's find out what is being done now. But make, let me take a minute to go to, to Ivy, who I'm now beginning to like. Because a, f- a few years ago, I remember about 10 years ago, I went to do my routine medical checkup, and the doctor said to me, Albert, you have what they call borderline. You know, when they say borderline, it means that you, you can easily tip left or right. And I understood very well when he said borderline. It meant do something about it. I'm going to give you two months and come back and let me check. If I am satisfied, fine. If not, I have to, to progress or escalate this. And he gave me two prescriptions, exercise and diet. I took it like Bible, (laughs) and that's how I started playing tennis till today, but I went back and he said, wow, it worked, and it has stayed that way ever since, so um, Ivy, let me find out from you, for somebody who has relations, what what, um, Roberta calls first degree relations who are diabetic. You are saying that even before you get any diagnosis that suggests that you are borderline or you should be interested, what are some of the things that you say, Listen, even if nobody has told you anything, just eat this way or or live this way. Give us some prescriptions we can work with. General,
3: you know, like I say, carbohydrates. We have carbohydrates. We have proteins. We have fats. All of them which, are which the macro, should, Which one
1: should be cancelled?
3: Yeah, all of them are the <laughs> macronutrients. And carbohydrates affect the blood sugar the most. And the carbohydrates we have the sugars, the starches, and fiber. The focus is on the starchy carbohydrates. And the starchy carbohydrates affect the blood. Just mention the
1: and names. I know some people are listening.
3: The starchy carbohydrates. Yes. We are uh, like our staples. We have uh, corn, the canke that we eat. That's pho- what I want. Th- you are bangku, being too technical
1: for me. Yeah. See mention the name.
3: Bangku, <laughs> yes. Yam, plantain. Should
1: we stop or we should divide it into four? Exercise.
4: Thanks. Exercise. It's also important. exercise Exercise of plantain. When I say my when I say that my patients look at me like this. Say it again. Exercise.
1: The egg, egg size. The local of egg. Egg. Egg size. <laughs> not the huge eggs. <laughs> you, you mean the banku should be the size plantain. of an egg? <laughs> You might as well first.
3: <laughs> yes, that's the thing. You see, so when a patient comes out, like a new, a new person, somebody on the borderline, you do dietary assessment. Because you have to know what the patient eats first or the individual eat first before you can make the reduction. Because if you just begin to tell them, like the exercise you are talking about, the person will go and the person will not comply. The mm. person will not comply. Like, we started, like, now I have my money. When I was young, I didn't have money to buy A, B, C, D. Now that I have the money to drink Fanta and drink the Coke, they are telling me to stop. So I will find out what you have been eating. Then I will take it down. Maybe by fast calories. In terms of calories, I will reduce it. But what happens is that the AD, the recommendation by American Diabetes Association, says at least the carbohydrate should be 130 grams a day. And when you, you bring them into like the serving sizes, then you can decide to have forty five uh, uh, forty five grams of carbohydrate in the morning, forty five in the afternoon. I'm going to give you a typical example of the forty five grams of carbohydrate. So if you are taking one third cup of cooked rice, it's fifteen grams of carbohydrate. One so third cup. One third of the cup. Right. You know the measuring cup. The measuring cup looks like the tea cup. So the one third is the 15 grams of carbohydrate. Then, if you come to something like beans, half cup of the beans, because beans is part of the carbohydrate, the starchy carbohydrate. Half cup of beans is also 15 grams. So when you put all of them together, then we are advising that you should go on to the vegetables, the leafy vegetables. So, but the so leafy vegetables.
1: That one, we don't need measuring cup.
3: No, we, that one, you can measure, but you know, that one, one cup, if it is cooked, is half cup. If it's not cooked, it's one cup. One cup is five grams, and we don't count it. It's only when you take three, then we count it as one. Right. So, it becomes 15. So, imagine that you have a, a plate like a, a medium-sized plate. You divide into uh, two. The one size will be the vegetables. But sometimes the way we prepare vegetables defeat the purpose. We add too much oil into the vegetable. Too much. Some when you visit somebody, the person is preparing contemporary, you see that it's all red, on you know, the palm oil red. You know the energy content of the oil is too much because guess teaspoon of the oil is forty five calories. So imagine what goes into the stew. Wow. So we advise that you keep the oil as low as possible so that you can benefit from the vegetables.
1: Cut down the oil Increase the leafy green vegetables. Exactly, and, and then, then
3: you take your. But, right, to but that I
1: one. have I have some responses on social media for you, yeah. and somebody has said it very clearly. Uh-huh. Egg size she must be joking.
3: <laughs> if You don't start with the egg size, no, but you start gradually. It's important and bring it for, the, down. for you to
1: know that the person says you <laughs> must be joking. <laughs> if you
3: can start like an orange side <laughs>
1: Mike says you must be joking.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
3: if you don't add exercise, easy. The person is saying, i be joking because the person is not in the shoes. But when you have the diabetes and you are facing.
4: You know, I think the thing is, we see the starch as the food. But the food is actually the vegetable. That's the paradigm shift we want to achieve because the complications come from the hyperglycemia. Yeah. If you take one bucket of corn to the corn meal, you'll get one bucket of corn dough. Absolutely. So what we are trying to do is. We reduce the how much you're taking to the cornmeal, how right. much is going into the stomach. So I'm, that's I'm you
1: this point, when I come back, I'll bring Dr. Nanada Gansa from the US to bring his perspective on this issue. And then I'm going to talk to, talk to, I'm going to open the phone line for patients to tell me, are they really eating egg size banku, or it is just theory we are hearing in the studio? And then if you have borderline relations, also, let's find out what is your perspective. Daniel, does it come into the studio For passing near my studio at a time like this? Daniel, come, come. Have you interacted with somebody who's come, come, join me in the chair? Have you interacted with somebody who's diabetic before? And, 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 Roberta is telling us, Charlie, we should eat egg-sized bamboo. I mean, Daniel, who's Daniel this morning show? I'm sure a very familiar voice. Daniel, what do you think of this whole discussion as an economic discussion and then as something that technology can help us have a better, better grip on? And the first is, Reverend, um, <laughs> to all the people who are worried that I should be sleeping by now because I have a show tomorrow, <laughs> I'll be sleeping very soon. <laughs> Good evening, Rev. My father is diabetic. Right. And at the first hand, we have to deal with issues of, um, you not being very familiar with the dietary changes that you have to go through and everything that you have to deal with. But there's also the reality of what would happen if you're not careful. Because one thing you always take for granted is you wake up in the morning, you grab something to eat, you go on in your day. You have no idea what the repercussions are. But trust me, if you if you've been first hand with someone who is going through a crisis, you would have to understand that it's not it's not an easy distance. That's I can tell you that my mom is the most disciplined diabetic She does less than the exercise, so she, um, she knows what it means to stick to the rules. And she actually measures the thing like uh-huh. like the, exactly. the scientist. Exactly. It is twenty four minutes to the hour, eight o'clock, and this is a discussion on. Joy 99.7 FM and live on Facebook, the page to find this discussion, Albert, any Okran Comfort, Okran A. Just go stream live with us and let's enjoy this discussion. But I I would like to remind us all that we dedicated this show tonight to a very special pool in the lives of the registrar and myself. Comfort lost her dad in 1987 to diabetes-related complications. So I salute the memory of my father-in-law who gave me a beautiful wife, Mr. C.C. C. Wintum. Um, who went to be with the lord and thank you for for giving me a wife and i also want to salute my the memory of my sister my only sister elsie who went to be with the lord in in the year um, what year was it 2008 that was 10 years ago november 10th and um, also from diabetic complications Charlie, roberta that puts me in first degree both in law and in life first degree <laughs> <laughs>
4: actually, in the past couple of weeks, there's been a study between spousal diabetes, you know, because how we always say diabetes is not communicable. But they actually show that, um, well, the genes are important, but more important are the upstream factors, who you live with, what they are eating. Because otherwise, if they're eating all the wrong things, it's like swimming against the tide. Right. And spa- spouses have been found to have diabetes, particularly in families where it's the woman that is cooking and is determining what the man is going to eat.
1: Right. So Ureku Ampofo is asking a question. He says, I play a lot of sports. He does a lot of football. And so he's been advised to eat more carbohydrates. I, I presume that that means that um, he, he needs energy in the body. But, But again, he's somebody who is... Uh, first degree okay. um, relationship. You want to find out whether it's healthy or he still needs to cut down on the carbs. What would you say?
4: Okay. So what I would advise him is to buy a glucometer. If right. it's first degree relation, he needs to find out what is going on when he finishes finishes eating. So if you're having too much carbs and your body cannot handle it, and therefore your sugar is rising after eating it, he has to cut back on that.
1: So you mean the sports won't change it?
4: Um, the sports can't change it because the muscles are the glucose disposal sites, and so they make your body more sensitive to insulin. But the best guide for you is his post meal sugars. That that is what he needs to to watch because if it's energy that you need, you can also get energy from good oil, from good fats. So you can have the same um, whatever calorie amount that he needs, but instead of getting it from carbohydrates, he's getting it from the oils. So if he's first degree relation, I would say you have to own a meter. You, you have to own a meter. What I tell people is like, if somebody has knee pain when they run, you tell them, you, you have knee pain, don't run. And for people at risk of diabetes, running means eating too much carbs. You're stressing that beta cell out.
1: Wow.
3: <laughs>
1: it's always like a cycle, isn't it?
3: Yeah.
1: It is 21 minutes to the hour of eight o'clock. If you just joined us, this is a discussion um, about about managing diabetes. We want to find out is technology making it easier, and that's the angle we want to explore now. Let me start with you, Roberta. Is is technology making it easier to manage um, diabetics? Let's start with the even the routine testing. Is it easier now than before?
4: definitely technology is making a lot of difference in diabetes not not only in testing but even in how patients support each other
1: right to let me hold it for a minute and bring on on the phone dr nanadas gansa because um, recently, on an old school platform, he passionately said, "It is annoying that somebody should die from diabetes complications because there's so much that has been done that should make it impossible for somebody, unless there is negligence." And I could see the the anger and the passion in his voice. Dr. Gansa, good evening. Welcome, Springboard once again.
2: Oh, good news, Albert. How are you?
1: I'm learning every day, and today I've been brought into school. I've been taught about first degree. I've been taught about excise banku, and I can tell you, dinero, there's so much anger on social media about the excise. I don't know whether people didn't know or they are finding out for the first time that they could be restricted to excise banku. But there's definitely quite some reaction to that one. What do you have to say about technology and how managing diabetes can be is better now than it used to be before?
2: As long as it's not excise fufu. Anyway, um, this this is a a very important and interesting discussion. Diabetes is a worldwide problem. Um, In Kentucky, where I live with a population of about uh, 4.5 million, um, close to 600,000 people have diabetes, and 20% of that number don't know they have it. Um, Kentucky also has a very big obesity population, so easily 66% have a BMI of more than 25%. So even though I'm not a diabetologist, I do see the complications of the disease every single day. And uh, that is where you see technology doing a lot. Um, just last year, the FDA approved the, uh, as, as the Libra device. So it's basically, a, it's almost like a sticker, a coin-sized sticker that you put on your arm. And it monitors your glucose around the clock. So 24-hour monitor. And then you use a sensor that looks like a little cell phone to read it. So at every time of the day, you know what your glucose level is. Um, This basically allows you not to speak yourself all the time. And then there's a company actually, uh, I think Google is behind that. They're trying to uh, develop contact lenses uh, that would have insulin in them and that would basically be able to give the body constant doses of insulin. So that is in the works. Now, Dr. Lamte mentioned that diabetes is sort of a systemic disease. That means it affects almost every organ in the body. Name it, and diabetes affects it somewhat. And this is where technology comes into play in how you deal with this. So it affects the eye. The way it affects the eye is it makes blood vessels uh, grow The portion of the eye that you really use to see, so on the retina. So then you have ophthalmologists who use laser to kill these blood vessels and to prolong your vision. Um, Diabetes is a disease of the small blood vessel, that's what it really is. So, using stents, stents are very small tubes made out of uh, nickel alloy. You're able to put these stents in blood vessels to keep them open. So, if your stroke was due to a blood vessel that closed off, uh, you could get a radiologist or a neurosurgeon or even a neurologist using X ray techniques to get the stent in there. It affects the heart. So they have a higher incidence of coronary artery disease and the stents come into play also. Doctor let me let me let me let me
1: come in and ask you to the ordinary person who may not have access to the advanced technologies. Something as routine but as powerful as the mobile phone. Tell me about how the patients with the mobile phone can exercise their options to have a better quality of life.
2: So, using the mobile phone, there are apps that um, allow you to enter your blood glucose readings so that you have an idea of what your blood glucose is over a day, a week, a month. They are apps that would help you pick what you eat, will help you with exercise, will give you tips on what to do, will keep you up to date on new technologies and new innovations in diabetes. Uh, so, that, that, those are things that are kind of important. Uh, but one last thing before I go diabetes also affects uh, erectile dysfunction, erectile function in men. And um, there's actually now uh, a cardiologist. He's Ghanaian. He's one of the leading uh, people in this endeavor who is able to put some of these tents in the blood vessels that feed uh, the the, uh, the erectile organ and to help with the function. Um, I think Dr. Osei-Janin. So um, that's something pretty encouraging for, for Ghanaian men.
1: Well, that part of the discussion was was of great interest and I can see Dr. Lamptey nodding her head. I'm going to come up to, to her in the studio and find out when you talked about affecting all parts of the body, when you got to that part, she smiled and started nodding her head. General, thank you so much for coming on the show and joining us from Kentucky with your own ideas. And I know this and is a subject you are very passionate about.
2: Yes. And Albert, I'm sure Dr. Lamte would mention that and there's is the issue of amputations. Those are probably as debilitating as strokes. Um, to to give anesthesia to people having piecemeal amputation of their limbs is, is, is probably one of the most... Um, Sadness to just watch, especially when these people are young people, um, and uh, I, I can't, I can't emphasize enough how how bad this disease is and how much we need to take care of it as a nation. And lastly, let's use social media as 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 a way of educating people about this really, really, really bad disease. Thank you, Albert.
1: Thank you, Dr. Ganser. And he's an anesthesiologist, so he talked about about administration and anesthesia, and that, that's because that's his, his main field. Thank you so much for joining us. All right, so back to the studios, and, and, and Dr. Lamti, you know that you heard when he talked about Dr. Jennings, um Jennings' um, mm-hmm. groundbreaking work with restoring erectile function as a result um, of the challenges that possibly could arise from diabetes you want to comment on that for a minute and we'll come back to IB on the issue of um, what we eat
4: i think when men have erectile dysfunction they find it difficult to talk about but for us in diabetes care is actually a very important early sign because it actually could be a warning sign for a stroke or a heart attack because the small vessels in the pen- penis go first um so it's important to talk about it with your doctor because it could signal other things. But yes, so penile stenting um, is one of the things that you can do for erectile dysfunction. There are other things that we can use, but yes, definitely penile stenting. Um, I'm not I'm not sure about um, what we are doing in Ghana now, but yes,
1: that is available. I'm going to spend um, um, a couple of minutes asking you for clear prescriptions. It doesn't matter whether the person has it or not, but if... If the saying that prevention is better than cure is anything to go by, listen, the person does not need to have been diagnosed if i 'm getting so many text messages message from people who are saying, this is something we didn 't know about till tonight. so no matter how much you think you 've done some good work um, Robert very few people know what they should they should know about this and even in economies that are supposedly more advanced than ours, the percentages that Dr. Ganser was given was scary. Mm-hmm. Right in the U.S., people have it and they don't know and probably don't even care. But should we care? And if we should, what would be your general prescriptions for people? Just give me three at least, and then let me come to you. Let, let me, me start with you, Ev, Ivy. Okay. From your perspective as a dietitian, somebody you meet, you love them, I mean, somebody that you care about in church... A, a, in the community, and they tell you, "What can I do to have a better life?" Like Nicodemus, what can I do to inherit eternal life? Please tell me three things that you will tell them.
3: <laughs> you see, in no other disease does lifestyle, healthy, and appropriate food choices, physical activity play important role in its prevention and treatment than in diabetes. Right. So it means that, in order to prevent di- uh, diabetes, the individual need to choose foods that are healthy healthy food choices and then the healthy foods i'm talking about maybe a, a moderate carbohydrates then um protein in terms of protein you need to have about 0.8 grams of uh, 0.8 grams of protein at per kilogram of body weight a day so when we eat too much for protein a day so we need to do all these uh, take all this into consideration to know how much you have to eat and then physical activity also play important role in the prevention and treatment of diabetes we need to be physically active all the time about five times in a week you need to have maybe walking or aerobics you know jogging for about 45 minutes or an hour a day to ensure that you stay healthy to prevent diabetes.
1: So you will will recommend healthy foods and you will recommend physical activity. Roberta, what would be your thoughts for the person listening who is saying, this is getting too close to home. The thing that you said that has really registered with me today is the the first degree. (laughs) Before tonight, (laughs) I thought first degree was our university course and I have another first degree description. What would you say to the person listening tonight who says there are concerns that... I have as a result of what I've heard, what should they do to inherit eternal life? If okay. I may say so in quotes. All
4: right, so you, you give me three points. I think
1: the number what, one. What are you, you i I'll be happy
4: if you give me i I'll give you four. Thank she you. Gave us very two, much. so let's balance it. Sure. So the number one thing is diabetes specific knowledge. Ask for direction, but they say that be careful who you ask for direction from. So seek diabetes-specific information, knowledge on the disease to prevent it. From but from the right sources.
1: What is the right source?
4: Well, if you come to us in Kolibu, we'll give you the right information. But if you go online, if you look at published data, because some of the things we are telling you, it won't get into the textbooks for another 10 years. Reversal of diabetes, it will take 10 years to get into the textbook. So if, if you are academically minded, then um, PubMed or reliable, reputable journals if not um i mean come to Kalibu <laughs> but basically find Talk diabetes correct right. information
1: right, right. i so think that's, that's, that's
4: number one. one number one and then um know your numbers know your numbers what, what is your blood sugar when you you fasted what is your blood sugar when you finished eating what what know your numbers so that You know you can do something about it. Because if you don't know, and 70% of people that have diabetes do not know. And if you have pre-diabetes, it is even, even easily more reversible. And then the last one is vigilance. So today you know your number, but what is it a year from now? Vigilance. What is your weight? What is your weight circumference? How much are you exercising? How much sedentary time are you having? So be vigilant. And then the fourth one, I think, is motivation and persistence. Be persistent if you have the information, you know what your numbers are, you know what you're supposed to do.
1: be motivated and be persistent. I can tell you what one, choose healthy foods, two, physical activity, three seek diabetic specific, diabetes specific information or knowledge from the right source. From I, the I like, right I like source. that one i 'll put it in brackets i 'll <laughs> post this on my Facebook page i 'm telling you number four, know your numbers number five, vigilance number six. Motivation and persistence. Go the long haul. Number seven, pray.
2: <laughs>
4: <laughs> definitely because there's a lot we don't know and we are actually finding out that your gut microbiome can turn on the genes for diabetes and turn it off. What you eat and what you don't eat. And and food is so important, but
1: yeah, yeah definitely. All right so let me let me let me ask you one of our listeners asking about child diabetes um child diabetes i mean somebody said to me it is one of the most the most dangerous phenomena that we are we are not aware of is there an age where a parent can start checking or once there's a first degree relationship you can start checking at birth is child diabetes a real issue
4: actually I've published a paper on neonatal diabetes right here child was from yeah so neonatal under one month you can have that Um, so as I said diabetes is a complex disease we are focusing more on type 2 diabetes so in type 1 diabetes the insulin deficiency the the destruction of the beta cell is absolute and it is complete you understand. But in type 2 diabetes, it is a gradual process, so to speak. There's possibility of recovery. Now, what is a big issue is we are having type 2 diabetes in very young children. I have patients who are 11 years, you know, 12 years, 10 years, and it's not type 1 diabetes.
1: L- 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 Roberta, before you go, let me just ask you, what symptoms must a parent notice? That will make you say, listen... Take a second look at this child.
4: Number one,
1: mm-hmm. and the
4: sad one is bed wetting. Right. We have had children who have diabetes and they are wetting their bed and the mothers are beating them. They're, you know, all sorts of things, but to check their blood sugar. And it is just because it's diabetes. So I think um, bed wetting, right. you want to be sure that there's nothing going there. and. If you have a child that is obese, they are carrying a lot of truncal obesity, you want to be worried about it and want to do something about it, and you want to check out on that. Um As we say we don't want people to have symptoms before they come right so if it's first degree relation then maybe from adolescence you want to start checking what their post meals are doing right and even before you there's any um any any abnormality you want to teach them the right habits Mm. because that's what's the most difficult thing but if you teach them from when they are growing that food is vegetable. Food is this. Food is this. It, it makes it, it. It's easier for them to embrace the appropriate
1: lifestyles. So, so six prescriptions for adults plus one pray, and, and then three prescriptions for um, children. First of all, if there's a sign of bedwetting, don't just take it lightly. Explore further. If there's child obesity, childhood obesity, explore further. Especially and also weight guess. loss. Oh, okay, in children, right? It's rapid weight loss, another careful. thing you want uh, and to And The look third look one you said that is very interesting. You're saying that lifestyle change is not just for adults, it also can be for children. Train up a child in the way she, he or she should go, and when they grow, you couldn't have quoted a better Depart from them. Let me give you a chance, 30 seconds, to give me your f- closing thoughts. You know, it's been a very instructive discussion. Those ty- Those types that leave you more informed than an hour ago and more prepared for the future. you guys have been phenomenal. Let me give you the chance, Ivy. Closing thoughts to our listeners. One word they should carry away, something they can think about. Oh, would you say?
3: Okay, I'll tell all the diabetics that they should the focus should be on carbohydrates. How much carbohydrate they are eating to have effect on the blood sugar level. Mm. So too much is like the corn experience that she said Whatever you put in the cornmeal is what you are going to get out of it. So too much it will affect the sugar levels. So they should constantly check the blood glucose level two hours after. Is food. there something like too little? Too little, like in terms of food? Yes. Not too little, but
1: moderate amount. And is there something like eating too little in, um, in, a, in a diabetic?
3: Yes, you have low carbohydrate, low carbohydrate diet.
1: Which one is a low sugar?
3: The low
1: sugar. You always talk about high sugar. Which one is the low sugar? The low <laughs> sugar is
3: when your sugar is uh, hypoglycemia. You have below a certain range. That is not...
1: And that's pop- when the, di- the diabetic runs for sugar.
3: Yes. It that is. they are started uh, having a sentence of faintness and other right. things like that. Right. So
1: we should do this again, don't you think so? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right. Thank you very much. So watch the carbohydrates. Yes, talk much. better.
4: One thing one of my patients said to me, I mean, I'd like people to know that it's not theory.
2: Right.
4: I mean, yes, you see in the public, but before our own very eyes, in our Ghanaian patients, we've seen diabetes reversal. We've seen what, if you change to the exercise, fufu and bangkun, where you, if you increase your leafy green vegetable, what it does to your post-meals. Right in Ghanaian patients, we, we, we have the data. So one of my patients said to me, it was a very big fight when he came in, and we're trying to get him to understand eventually he got better so he came and he said how did you do it because a lot of my patients struggle with it doctor lamte me because he was referred to us from i i think that is what i'll leave you with Charlie, you have
1: given doctor and t- does it a body blow he lost <laughs> <laughs> oh good evening to pastor mensa Otabo. Oh, what a great show you've had. Thank you so much. Uh, you commented on a subject that is very interesting. All right. I want to say a big thank you to MTN and to Echo Bank for paying the bills for tonight's show. You are the ones who make it possible for our listeners to enjoy this show every single Sunday. So, good evening to our team, Rita Chegan at, at Echo Bank, and of course to Noel. Noel and uh, Gans and the team at, at, at MT and thank you for supporting this great initiative. Let me thank our team here at Joy 99.7 FM. Coming up next to work with Jesus and the topic is why Christ- most Christian marriages end before they begin. Wow. This is, they have still birth. This one is still marriage. <laughs> Pastor Alan Okumi Mensah will be joining Reverend... Ransford Abose for this discussion. Let me say a big thank you to Roberta and to Ivy for joining us on the show. It's been an instructive show. Good evening to
4: thank you for having us.
1: To you you. and out there and a big salute to Bera Okran and Flora Wintum. I know you're listening at home and all the all the squad. I want to say a big thank you to you all. God bless you. God bless you and God bless you. Good night.